time to go around Pac-12 hoops. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports zone by Roxy Bernstein of Pac-12 Network and also ESPN. Roxy, always good to have you. And uh, we're about roughly halfway through the conference schedule. Oregon and uh, Arizona both 6-3. and three. No other team has fewer than four losses. How would you describe the Pac-12 basketball world in the last year of its existence? I guess anything can happen on any night, Bob. It's crazy because you look at this point of the year, usually there's some separation, right? You get a team or yeah. two. And look, Arizona, to me, is the best team. But we're also seeing how challenging it is to win on the road in this league. And you only have four games that separates the top spot from the last spot in the league. And the team that's in the last spot in the conference was picked to come in second in the preseason media poll. That's how crazy this, this season has been. I'll get to USC here momentarily at some strategical point for sure. Let's start with Arizona. Almost as always, they've been great at home, uh, but they've been less impressive on the road before that win last Saturday. That was a very impressive win at Oregon. But they were 1-3 on the Pac-12 road before then. Why, why have they struggled more on the road so far this season? I just think that's the, the way in college basketball has been going this year, right? You saw North Carolina, who was rolling along. They lose at Georgia Tech last night. It's just extremely difficult to win on the road, and teams are so comfortable, so confident on their home floors. And I think that plays into it. And, look, the teams they've lost to on the road, they lost to Washington State, who's pretty good. I think Stanford's really talented, um, and that's a matchup thing. I think Stanford matches up pretty well with Arizona. So, to me, I wasn't that shocked that they lost those games. But it's just a question of who can win on the road, and nobody's really been able to establish themselves. It's also, I think, across the board, you look at college basketball, I don't think there's a great team this year. I think there's a bunch of really good teams, but I wouldn't label somebody as a great team, and I think that also plays into it's a little bit more balanced across the country. Yeah, one thing that I've kind of been, uh, become curious about with Tommy Lloyd in his first three years, obviously he has a tremendous record, hasn't lost consecutive games, etc. But they've been great in November. In fact, they haven't lost a game against good competition for the most part in the month of November. But they don't seem to really get a whole lot better during the regular season. Am I reading too much into that? I think you are. Uh, because he, here's what Arizona has to deal with. Every night, they're getting the opponent's best shot. Because when that schedule's laid out, Arizona's the school that's circled. And that's what the team is getting up for all season long. And especially this year, because if any of these Pac-12 teams are going to add to their resume and help themselves out come Selection Sunday, they have to beat Arizona. So night in, night out, Tommy Lloyd and the Cats are getting the opposition's best opportunity. And I think that's been the story even since day one that Tommy Lloyd was at Arizona, that they have had the target on their back with this early season success that Arizona has had. Caleb Love, the transfer from UNC, he's been the best U of A player. Is he the Pac-12 Conference Player of the Year to date? I think he's in the discussion. I think there's a few guys that are going to be in that conversation as far as Pac-12 Player of the Year. Again, nobody's really separating themselves and saying, okay, that we're the difference or we're the best player in this league. 
I think there's a number of guys, and could Arizona winning the league factor into that? Yeah, I think that's possible. But you look at, for example, a guy like, I don't know, Keon Brooks at Washington, who is in the top ten of the league in both scoring and rebounding. K.J. Simpson, who's among the top players in scoring and assists. Jalen Tyson, even at Cal, has been playing a lot better. He leads the conference in scoring. I think the race is wide open. Then you have Brandon Carlson at Utah. He leads the league in block shots. He's one of the top scorers and top rebounders in the league. So, for me, this award for Pac-12 Player of the Year is wide open right now. Roxy Bernstein of Pac-12 Network and also ESPN, currently in the sports zone. Arizona State started 4-0 in conference play. They've uh, Since then, they've lost four out of five. What's your assessment of Bobby Hurley's team? They have just been on this uneven ride, and they've been so streaky, which you've alluded to, in terms of, okay, here's a hot stretch, and they played well at home, and then all of a sudden they go – and they get swept on the road in Oregon last weekend. Um, they had those two impressive wins to start conference play, coming back from double digits of both Cal and Stanford to win. And that helped them get off to the great start in conference. It's just been this uneven ride. And part of it for me, Bob, it's, it, 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 I don't want to say it's a theme with Bobby's teams, but he has so many new parts, right? Then all of a sudden you throw a guy like Adam Miller into the mix when you didn't expect on having him and he joins basically the lineup in, in mid-December. But Sean Phillips comes in. I mean, Frankie Collins a guy that had been there, but there's so many new guys, and I think it just takes time for people to get on the same page, and that could be the issue in all of college basketball right now with the transfer portal and players coming in for one year or looking for another destination every single season. But I think that is kind of a microcosm of what college basketball is going through right now. Yeah, I totally agree with that for sure, no doubt. Uh, Dana Altman's Oregon team, it seems to always improve. I was disappointed with their performance last Saturday against the U of A, but you know, with Dante and Biddle missing so much time because of injury over this season, should we give the Ducks a little more time to get it together? Yeah, because you're right about Dana Altman, because his teams do trend upward. Um, it hasn't necessarily been that case for him the last couple of years, but if you look at the track record – that's what his teams do, and they get better and better as the season goes on. And when Dante and Biddle acclimate themselves fully, um, Mookie Cook has been in out of lineup. They were getting him back, and then he got hurt again. The, the talented freshman, they have a couple of really good freshmen. Uh, but the thing that's concerning for me is Oregon just had another significant injury. Keyshawn Bartholomew went down. Um, who was a pivotal player for them, their sixth man off the bench who did a number of things. And I'm waiting to see how they're going to adjust to playing without him because that is a key part they're missing, but sounds like they're getting cooked back at some point too, which will certainly be a big lift for them. Okay, this might be a crazy thought here, this next thing. Colorado, if okay. healthy, which has been rarely a rare, rare occurrence this year, might they be actually the best team in this conference? Which team did you say? Colorado. They have that ability in them. Uh, because you look at Simpson and, and Tristan De Silva, plus the freshman Williams, who's from down in your neck of the woods. They're really talented. I think they're extremely well coached. And they can score. They can defend. I mean, it's a, it's a good sign for Colorado when they're second in the conference in scoring and third in team defense. 
that's a really good combination right there. So that goes to show you they're near the top. I still will give Arizona the edge over Colorado because I just think they have a little bit more depth and size than Colorado does. But Colorado definitely will be in the mix, not just to challenge for the number one seed for me at the Pac-12 tournament, but they're definitely an NCAA tournament team. Utah, great at home, lost by 100 last weekend in Washington. (laughs) What's up with that? (laughs) They just have not been able to establish themselves on the road like a lot of other teams. Now, they're dealing with a couple of significant injuries. Their point guard, Raleigh Wooster, has been banged up. And same with Lawson Lovering. Uh, It was a nice compliment to Brandon Carlson up front for Utah. But they have such a great home court advantage. They take advantage of it. But yet when they go on the road, they seem to lay an egg. And I I don't know. If if Craig Smith could figure that out, then they would solve that problem. But he hasn't figured it out yet. And I I think the injuries are playing into it. and they're just, for whatever reason, a lot more comfortable at home. And they, they have just struggled to put things together on the road. I just don't think anybody could put their finger on it, to be honest with you. It's it's very strange. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that all teams, most teams, almost every team in every sport is better at home. But this is absurd, the difference home and road. I haven't seen the actual numbers and their splits, but they just got to be drastically different than most teams for sure. Washington State. They're six and four in conference play, fifteen and six overall. Some games I I go, whoa, I'm really impressed. And then like the next game I watch them play, I'm kind of going, what's up here? Uh, Twenty one games into the season, it's still I think inconsistent. Is safe to say, is this just kind of what they are at this point? Yeah, and I don't want, a lot of ways I think they're overachieving, and I think that Kyle Smith should be the leader as far as Pac-12 coach of the year goes, considering the roster turnover, and he's doing it differently. If you look in years past, he he, ran that version of kind of a a Princeton offense type, you know, learned from Randy Bennett at St. Mary's. They're shooting a lot of threes, and he's a big analytics guy. But this year they're not shooting the three. They're they're 10th in the conference and made threes per game. They defend the three-point line very well. And they're a very good defensive team. But they've been inconsistent offensively. And I don't think anybody thought that they'd be in this position, considering the roster turnover that they had and some of the significant pieces they lost. But they're playing with a lot of confidence. And it starts defensively. And it's, it's probably a weird feeling for Kyle Smith to be playing this style of basketball, considering he's so used to doing it one way but had to alter and change the way he's doing it this year just because the personnel doesn't fit the way he likes to play. Going around Pac-12 basketball with Roxy Bernstein. Okay, you uh, UCLA and USC. Uh, <laughs> struggling, di- disappointing for different reasons, I think. L- let's talk about UCLA first. Mick Cronin just seems so frustrated. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I, he's a... Uh, I don't know if he's uh, the most uh, – it seems like he's not a guy that does a lot of smiling. Even though I've heard him on some podcasts and he jokes around a lot, but he just seems to be miserable. I don't blame him, but, you know, why are they you – know, other than just I guess they've got too many freshmen, right? But, you know, they're, they're from time to time, I you know, once again, a team I think, well, maybe they can get it together. And other times I just think that uh, they're bad. <laughs> Their talent level isn't what we accustomed to seeing 
with UCLA. And I think that's part of the issue for the Bruins this year. You mentioned the youth, and they went heavy on the European route, which you don't necessarily associate UCLA with. And for Mick, he's made some excuses as to why, where, okay, their NIL isn't at the same level the other schools. The academic requirements at UCLA are difficult. But at the end of the day, it's UCLA, and you think you'd be able to get – the top talent, and they have not been able to do it. But the one thing I will say, just when you thought this team was down and out, they were done, they were going to quit on Mick after they had their doors blown off at Utah, they've turned it around. And they had a very good couple of weeks. They're, I just did their game on Saturday where they won at USC. They're playing a connected style. Defensively, they have been focused and locked in. And they're offensively challenged. There's no doubt that UCLA has a very difficult time scoring. This is the worst three-point shooting team that UCLA has ever had, and it's the lowest scoring team the Bruins have had since the inception of the shot clock. But they're a lot more competitive right now, and I think that's a tribute to Mick and that these kids have bought into what he's selling them. Even though he was very hard critical of them, they haven't left it, They haven't left him, and they battled and – they're coming off a signature win for them to, to go across town and hammer USC like they did. And, and they actually should have won in Tucson against the U of A. Or very well, you know, they outplayed them for 30 minutes, 35 minutes of that game. Yeah, they were up 19 in the first half, 17 in the second half, and then they just couldn't get the stops down the stretch. And it was a costly technical that Mick Cronin took in that game. Yeah. But Arizona kept attacking and getting to the foul line, and and give them credit. They were challenged at home. Arizona found a way. But you're, very, you're right. After winning at Arizona State in unbelievable fashion for UCLA, they turned around and nearly pulled off that sweep in the desert. And there is something different about this team than we saw earlier in the conference race. All right, SC, uh, you know, they've had injuries to Collier and Ellis and Morgan. Is Collier going to play again this season? And if he does, is this a team that can make a run in the Pac-12 tournament? If they can get everybody on the same page, Bob, they are scary because they could be the most talented team in the league. When you look at not just Collier, who people think will go in the top five of the NBA draft, and I do think we'll see him before the end of the year. I was talking to him for a bit on Saturday. He had surgery on his hand. Um, the process is it's healing. He's confident that everything's going well. But not just him, right? You have Boogie Ellis is one of the most prolific scorers we've seen in this conference in recent years. You have Kobe Johnson, who a lot of people feel will be an NBA player. Um, and then, of course, the whole Bronny James factor. And, look, people have maybe put him on too much of a pedestal. But Bronny James is a good player. And the thing that I like about Bronny's game, Bronny is a team player. It's not about him where Boogie Ellis is looking to score or Isaiah Collier needs to get hits. Bronny does it within the constraints of the team, and he is a team-first guy, and it really is impressive to watch him play. It's just, look, he's coming back from a cardiac arrest where he nearly died, and here we are six, seven months later, and he's playing college basketball. It's a remarkable story, and – He's just going to keep getting better and better as his strength and his conditioning improves. But he is a factor for them, and that's a team. If they get healthy and everybody can be on the same page, and for three, four days that could happen, they could be a very dangerous out in Vegas.
You mentioned Stanford earlier, another inconsistent team. I think it's uh, accurate to say, you know, why has that been uh, an issue for them? I think defensively that they have some breakdowns. Stanford will play a good 30 to 35 minutes, but then there are some breakdowns and they fall apart. They can shoot the ball. Bob, they're one of the best shooting teams in the country. They pass the ball well. They're very skilled offensively. It's just the other end of the floor that's been holding them back. And you saw their firepower and what they're capable of when they hit a school record 16 threes and ran Arizona out of Maples Pavilion uh, a month ago. Well, can they go on the road? Can they bottle it up? Can they get some consistency? Because that, is a, that like USC, is a dangerous team when you get to the Pac-12 tournament. Okay, last up, where are you headed this week? I am headed to L.A. I've got <clears throat> the UCLA Bruins and the Oregon Ducks on Saturday night. That would be an interesting matchup. What uh, immediately uh, you know, gets to your attention as far as that matchup goes? For me, I'm anxious to see how Oregon bounces back from getting it handed to them by the Cats. And then for UCLA, can they keep it going, coming off the big win, coming back at home? Will they have an energy and a buzz? Will they have a crowd at Pauly to get behind this team? Because the way they played the last few weeks, they're trending in the right direction. Roxy, good stuff as always. We always enjoy talking to you. Thanks much. Anytime. Take care. Roxy Bernstein, Pac-12 Networks and ESPN.